Hello again and welcome to the fourth episode of Yoga for Latter-day Saints. I'm glad you're back. Last time we started the discussion on sutras number 5 through 11 and how thinking patterns can affect our ability to understand our true nature and view of the world. Today we'll finish that discussion and how the teachings in these sutras and from the gospel can help us to become better disciples of Jesus Christ and improve physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. The tenth sutra in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras can be translated as sleep is a fluctuation or modification of the mind where the mind is devoid of any engagement with external or internal objects. The sutra describes the state of sleep, which is a natural and necessary part of our daily life. According to Patanjali, during sleep, the mind is free from engagement with the outside world and internal mental processes. This is different from the waking state where the mind is constantly engaged with external and internal objects. Sleep is said to be a state where the mind can receive revelations and insights that are not accessible in the waking state. This concept is similar to the idea of God providing instruction through dreams to his prophets. The scriptures contain several examples of God communicating with his prophets through dreams. Some include Jacob, where he has a dream in which he sees a stairway reaching to heaven and angels ascending and descending on it. That's found in Genesis 28, 10 through 19. In that dream, God promises to give Jacob the land on which he is sleeping and bless all the people through him. Joseph, in Genesis 37, 5 through 11, one of his dreams is described in which he sees the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowing down to him. This dream later proves to be a prophecy about his future role in Egypt. In 1 Nephi 8, 2 through 38, we read about Lehi's dream in which he sees the tree of life, whose fruit is desirable above all other fruits. And we also hear about King Lamoni's father in Alma 22, 3 through 26, when he has a dream in which he sees God sitting on his throne surrounded by angels, and this dream leads him to seek out Aaron and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. More recently, it's been mentioned a few times that President Nelson has a pad of paper next to his bed to record impressions that he receives during the night. He told this story in October of 2009. I was aroused from a sound sleep with an idea impressed strongly upon my mind. Immediately, I reached for pencil and paper near my bed and wrote as rapidly as I could. I went back to sleep knowing I had captured that great impression. The next morning I looked at that piece of paper and found, much to my dismay, that my writing was totally illegible. I still keep pencil and paper at my bedside, but I write more carefully now. However, not all dreams are meaningful or contain divine revelation. Elder Richard G. Scott provides guidance on how to discern whether a dream is a source of revelation or not. He said, Inspired communication in the night is generally accompanied by a sacred feeling for the entire experience. Sometimes the Lord uses individuals for whom we have great respect to teach us truths in a dream because we trust them and will listen to their counsel. It is the Lord doing the teaching through the Holy Ghost. However, he may, in a dream, make it both easier to understand and more likely to touch our hearts by teaching us through someone we love and respect. The mind must be in a receptive state to receive divine insights and revelations during sleep. It's not just about falling asleep or having a dream, but about cultivating a state of consciousness where the mind is open and receptive to divine communication. Activities such as prayer, meditation, self-reflection, service, scripture study, and physical practices such as performing yoga postures and breath work can help to cultivate this state of consciousness. President Nelson added, 
To access information from heaven, one must first have a firm faith and a deep desire. One needs to ask with a sincere heart and real intent, having faith in Jesus Christ. Real intent means that one really intends to follow the divine direction given. The 11th Sutra can be translated as, Memory is the unobstructed or uninterrupted experience of an object previously perceived. According to Patanjali, memory is not just the simple recollection of past experiences, but rather a deep and vivid remembrance of those experiences, as if they were happening again in the present moment. Memory is a complex cognitive process that plays a vital role in our daily lives. It helps us store and recall information, learn from our experiences, and make decisions based on past events. In the context of yoga, memory is crucial as it enables practitioners to reflect on their past experiences and learn from them. However, as we discussed in the last episode, our memories can be clouded by misunderstanding or emotion. For instance, if someone has a preconceived notion that they're not good at a certain yoga pose, this could cloud their memory of past experiences of trying that pose. They may remember it as more challenging than it actually was, hindering their progress in their practice. Similarly, emotions can also influence our memories. For example, if someone has a negative experience during a yoga class, they may remember it more vividly than other more positive experiences. And this could lead to them avoiding similar situations in the future, preventing them from learning and growing in their practice. Therefore, this sutra emphasizes the importance of cultivating unobstructed memory in yoga practice. This means that the memory should be free from the influence of preconceived notions or emotions, allowing practitioners to remember their past experiences accurately. By doing so, they can reflect on their experiences and make progress in their practice. To wrap this discussion up, let's return to the sixth sutra, which states that right knowledge can be obtained through direct perception, inference, and valid testimony. Direct perception involves seeing things as they are without any distortions or interpretations. Inference involves drawing conclusions based on available evidence and logical reasoning. Valid testimony involves relying on trusted sources for knowledge. Direct perception refers to the knowledge that we gain through our senses. It's the most immediate and direct means of acquiring knowledge, as it involves seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, and smelling things as they are. For example, we know that a flower is red because we can see it with our own eyes. The most important thing to remember is, as discussed previously, we need to see these things without any distortions or interpretations. There can't be any story or feeling attached. Inference is the process of drawing conclusions based on available evidence and logical reasoning. It involves making deductions or inductions based on what we observe or know to be true. For example, we may infer that there is a fire on the mountain where a large plume of smoke has begun to arise. While humans are fallible, valid testimony can still be a source of correct knowledge because it involves relying on trusted sources for information. This means that we seek guidance from individuals who have more knowledge or experience in a particular subject matter than we do. These sources of knowledge have undergone rigorous training and education and have demonstrated competence in their field. Therefore, we trust their opinions and rely on their guidance to gain a better understanding of a particular topic. All three means of acquiring knowledge, direct perception, inference, and valid testimony, are all important in the practice of yoga. By relying on these methods, we can develop a more accurate and complete understanding of ourselves, the world around us, and our place in it. This helps us to cultivate right knowledge, minimize improper thought patterns, and ultimately achieve the goal of yoga, which is the realization of the true self.
The sixth Yoga Sutra also emphasizes the importance of cultivating discernment in order to distinguish between right and wrong knowledge, good and evil, truth and error, and light and darkness. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Discernment is a gift from God that can be obtained through prayer, study, and righteous living. As individuals seek to develop discernment, they are encouraged to approach learning with an open mind and a humble heart, recognizing that they may not have all the answers and being willing to learn from trusted sources. The cultivation of discernment is seen as an essential for individuals to develop a deeper understanding of themselves, the world around them, and their place in the universe. By developing the ability to distinguish between right and wrong knowledge, individuals are able to make informed decisions, deepen their connection to God, and ultimately find greater peace and happiness in their lives. For the practice today, we're going to do a yoga posture routine. We'll start in a standing position and end in a kneeling position. Always remember when performing any exercise routine to be self-compassionate. If it's not in your practice to perform a pose or even this whole routine, that's perfectly okay. Make sure you listen to your body and any advice that you've received from your healthcare practitioners. So find a comfortable location where you have room to move and will be comfortable kneeling. All right, let's begin. Begin in mountain pose. Stand with your feet hip-width apart and your arms at your sides, palms facing forward. Ground down through your feet and engage your legs. Take a few deep breaths, inhaling and exhaling slowly and deeply. Start to bring your attention to different parts of your body, beginning with your feet and moving up through your legs, torso, arms, and head. As you focus on each body part, consciously release any tension you may be holding. Allow your breath to become natural and effortless without trying to control or manipulate it in any way. On an inhale, raise your arms overhead, reaching your fingertips toward the sky. As you exhale, slowly swan dive forward into forward fold, keeping your legs as straight as is tolerable and reaching your hands toward the ground. On an inhale, lift halfway up so that your upper body is parallel to the ground with your hands on your shins or thighs and your spine straight. On an exhale, fold forward again into forward fold. On an inhale, place your hands on the ground about shoulder width apart and step your feet back so that your body comes into an inverted V shape, downward dog. Spread your fingers wide and press down through your hands and feet, lifting your hips up and back. On an exhale, lower onto your hands and knees, coming into tabletop pose. Your wrists should be directly under your shoulders and your knees under your hips. On an inhale, 
Lower your hips down to your heels and raise your trunk into an upright position with your hands resting comfortably on your thighs. You should now be kneeling in hero pose. If this is uncomfortable for your knees, you can place a blanket or a block under your hips, or if you need to change positions, feel free to find a comfortable seated position. Once you're settled, if you feel comfortable doing so, close your eyes. But if not, just soften your gaze and let your focus rest somewhere in front of you. Take a few deep breaths, inhaling deeply through your nose and exhaling slowly through your mouth. Let go of any tension or stress in your body with each exhale, allowing yourself to fully relax and become present in the moment. Now shift your attention to your breath. You can use the ocean breath or just breathe naturally. Pay attention to the sensation of the air moving in and out of your body, feeling the rise and fall of your chest and belly. Try to keep your mind focused on your breath, letting go of any distractions or thoughts that arise. If you find that your mind starts to wander, don't judge or criticize yourself. Instead, gently bring your attention back to your breath. You can use counting to help you focus, inhaling for a count of three and exhaling for a count of six or whatever ratio you feel comfortable with. Try to maintain a sense of detachment, simply observing without judging. When you feel ready to end the practice, take a few deep breaths, slowly open your eyes, take a moment to notice how you feel, both physically and mentally. If it would be helpful, you can add this routine to when you pray. I find it helps to clear my mind from my own thoughts and allows me to focus on opening myself to the impressions and whisperings of the Spirit. As we finish up today, I want to thank you for listening in and remind you of Jesus' words in DNC 6, 36. Look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not.
If you have any questions or comments, feel free to get in touch through the Yoga for LDS Facebook page or email at yoga, the number four, LDS at gmail.com.